0: morning. It's great to be here with you. Good to see you all here and i um, excited to be here with you on this last Sunday before Christmas. Man, how exciting is it to think about uh, this season and I hope for you, honestly from the bottom of my heart, that it has not been like it so easily can be at Christmas time. Just the hurrying and the, you know, hustling around to get gifts and go to parties and all these other things. And so many distractions at this time of year. I hope that you've been able to take time to think about what this season truly means. I hope that you've had time to anticipate that. This morning, we want to talk and center on that one word. The idea of anticipation. Anticipation anticipation. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to be spending the majority of our time, really all of our time, Luke chapter 1, and this idea of anticipation. Traditionally in the church calendar, there's been a season that encompasses the four Sundays before Christmas, and it's called Advent. And Advent basically means The waiting for some sort of person or some sort of event. Advent. And for us as Americans, we don't really like to wait, right? How many times have you just looked at your watch and you're sitting there in the carpool lane, picking up your son or daughter from high school. And if you don't get there 45 minutes early, then you're going to be there an hour and 15 minutes late because of the wait, right? or christmas time you're you know driving around and waiting for a parking spot and almost get into a fist fight for a parking spot ever see that happen that's happened or you go into a store you don't like to wait in line so you go online because you don't have to wait and even like ebay used to have these auctions and they still do of course but hey this auction's going on for 7 days or 10 days or whatever any more years ago they said forget that let's have this little option on it right now called buy it I don't want to wait for 10 days to see if I get this or not. I want it now. We don't like to wait. But 2,000 years ago, we enter into the story and they were in a season. The people of God were in a season of waiting and anticipating. As we think about Christmas, there's... Obviously, a lot of anticipation that, uh, that goes into it. You anticipate a lot of really good things, right? We're a church family and community. What are some, some of the things that you're anticipating over the next week, week and a half? Go ahead and just yell them out. Fun, food, family. We are on a series of F's here, apparently. Football would be the other one that we're thinking of, of course. And what else we got? What else? Did somebody say dogs? Somebody's getting a dog for Christmas? Wow, that's, that's adorable. Presents. Absolutely, right? Man, all these great things that we're anticipating. Many people even have like the countdown calendar, 25 days, and like we're almost there, you know, four more days. Today's the 21st. Can't wait for all this good stuff to happen. Maybe for some of you here this morning, you're anticipating some not so good things, that are going to be happening in the next week, week and a half, two weeks, right? What are some of the things that you're not looking forward to? (laughs) Well, it's a good thing we're not part of the Rice family, apparently, with Matt up here and his amazing tradition of making people feel self-conscious on Christmas morning. Right? But maybe for some of us, it's some of those sorts of things. Um, maybe for some of us, unfortunately, it has to do with, man, one of the things we're looking forward to is being together with family. Maybe one of the things for some of us that we're not so much looking forward to is the families coming together, you know, and, and that's a, a present reality of, uh, of what happens around the holidays and you're blending families and blending traditions. And sometimes that can be a little awkward, a little strange. We had, uh, we had three different life groups over to our house, um, This last Wednesday night for a big dinner and we were going around sharing stories about crazy things that happened around Christmas. And we shared one um, that the very first Christmas that my wife and I spent together. We went to my home in New Jersey with my parents. We're amazing, godly, incredible people. Yeah, but um, anyway, my mom's got this thing that she loves to do where she wraps one big present and then inside is another present and inside is another present and inside is another present. Like every year we do this. Oh, (laughs) present inside of a present. That's a good one. But anyway, they thought, you know, hey, new daughter-in-law, we're going to, we're going to, you know, indoctrinate her into the Heinz family way. And so Becca was there and like, oh, wow, mom, that's a really big present. So she opens it up and it's like, you know, some giant car seat carrier, like. Wow, okay, we just got married, but uh, (laughs) oh well. But you open it up, and of course, it's not a car seat carrier. It's a whole other box. Oh, another present. Open that one up, you know, like, hmm, new pots and pans. I wonder if it's that. Opens that up. Nope, it's another present. And then it's, oh, you know, a, a toaster. Wow, I wonder. Opens it up, and it's getting smaller and smaller. And then she opens up this one that's about this big. Here it is, okay. Unwraps it. It's like, wow, a cheese grater. And she goes, well, I definitely know it's not this. Oh, a cheese grater. I've always wanted one of these. How do you back your way out of that one? There is no recovery. My parents are going to be here next Sunday, by the way. Say hi to them. Mention the cheese grater story. They'll love it. We still talk about it, but... Yeah, anticipation and waiting, the good and the bad. As a matter of fact, in doing some research about the anticipation and sometimes the giant letdown that can happen after the Christmas season is over. You know what the number one month for People making appointments to go see counselors for uh, doctors prescribing medication for antidepressants. And for some of those types of issues related to a darkness and anxiety and depression. You know what the number one month is where we see a huge rise in, in those types of situations? February. Valentine's Day. You know what number two is? January. As a matter of fact, some researchers have said we're actually going to create a pseudo-holiday called, Black, or, uh, called Blue Monday. And it's the third Monday in January because they say that is the pinnacle of depression in the United States. Blue Monday. The reason being is because several weeks there into January, that's when most of the credit card bills come. Average American family spends $500 to $800 dollars On Christmas presents. On the presents alone. Not to mention traveling and going out to eat and everything else, right? Also, that around that third week in January is where most people have utterly failed at all of their New Year's resolutions. So researchers have said, that's it. That's the day of depression right there. The day of anxiety. The day of sadness. And you think about this as anticipation of like, oh, I can't wait till this is going to come. And every year it's like, yeah, well, maybe this year's going to be different. And then you see that that just kind of passes by. And for many, they, they look back on that and like, well, that was, that was a big build up for what is a big letdown. And here I am now in January and we're right back to where we started again. But 2,000 years ago, we want to dive into this idea of anticipation. And I've crafted the message with two main points. The first one we want to talk about is anticipating getting something, receiving something. And the second thing we want to talk about is the anticipation of giving something. The waiting that comes before getting and the anticipation and the waiting and the excitement to give. Now, when you talk about anticipation to get, I don't know what kind of tris- uh, Christmas traditions you have, but for a lot of us, that is what is exciting, especially if you're younger, about Christmas, right? Can't wait to dive into those presents and see what I get. And my family growing up on Christmas Eve, outside of the whole cheese grater thing, outside of that, we had some other, you know, fun things that we did and um, we would sleep under and right next to the Christmas tree uh, on Christmas Eve, all of the kids would sleep out there in our PJs. And I had my fake machine gun with me just in case somebody broke in. I was 17 at the time. Um, No, I'm just kidding. Um, But yeah, but we sleep out there. We, We brought that tradition into our family. So with our kids, we all sleep out there under the Christmas tree, just all the presents and everything. Not like under, under the Christmas tree. That wouldn't be comfortable. But down there close to the Christmas tree. And my wife and I typically last about, you know, 45 minutes or so till all the kids go to sleep. And then we go back into our bed because this back is getting old for the floor. But we do that. Another thing that we do is we all get into our PJs and we actually drive around on Christmas Eve looking at Christmas tree lights, which is a lot of fun. And then a recent addition to that was that we decided we're all going to go out to eat at a 24-hour diner or something like that in our PJs at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock on Christmas Eve. So if you're out at the Pancake House on Christmas Eve and see a family of five come in in PJs, that is our world, right? Excitement, weird traditions, all that stuff. Anticipation. For what we're going to get. Well here in Luke chapter 1. There was a lot of anticipation. For what was going to be received. And what we want to dive into this morning. Is an obscure story. That doesn't get a whole lot of press. Luke chapter 2. That's the most popular chapter. In all of scripture. Luke chapter 1. The precursor. Doesn't quite get as much. But I want to paint the picture for you. As we dive in. There was a man named Zechariah. And he had a wife named Elizabeth. They were godly, godly people. Zechariah was a priest. His whole livelihood had been given to serving God. Elizabeth was faithfully there by her side. Serving God in the temple as well. And they both loved God. And and they had lived out a great story together. But they were never able to have children. And that that was a cause of... Sadness for them But yet they said Okay God this is your plan We love you We're serving you And, and, um, and, and we're going to be faithful so let's pick up the story and see what happens right here in verse 8. It says, Now while he, that is Zechariah, uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 8, while he was serving his priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside the hour of incense. Zechariah's inside getting things ready, starting the incense. Big multitude outside, as there often was, praying. It says this in verse 11: And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Remember, this was not a common occurrence. There hadn't been an angel or an appearance or a direct revelation from God in over 400 years. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. Now, I want to just uh, break apart this for a second here so we truly understand the gravity of what's going on here. He says, number one, that great news that your wife will bear a son and we'll call his name John. Remember, they were older. They were well advanced in years, well past childbearing years. But all of a sudden, this angel says, you will have a son. So you can imagine like the sounds of creed came out of some, you know, speaker right there, you know, Well, I just heard the news today. With arms wide open. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That song about having a son. Okay, three of you are with me. Awesome. So anyway, Creed was playing in the background and Zechariah's like, I'm going to have a son now. I can't believe it. This is crazy. God has blessed us. This is unbelievable. But notice the angel says, your prayer has been answered. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think Zechariah at this point in the game was still praying for a son? You notice a few verses before it says the multitudes were out there and they were praying as they normally did. You need to understand the history and what's going on here in the context. The nation of Israel was in deep trouble. They were being run by tyrants and an occupying army of Rome. They were taken into slavery and captivity and even if they were free, they were even so ruled by these Roman garrisons at every corner. You've heard the phrase, walk the extra mile. We've heard that before. Well, these Romans had so much power, they could take anybody at any time and say, I want you to carry this load for the next mile. And by law, you had to do it if you weren't a Roman citizen. That's the kind of terroristic government that was there. There is a thing called the Pax Romana, right? The Peace of Rome. You remember that from old world history uh, class back in high school, which started, you know, like back 30 BC and extended on uh, for a long time where there was supposedly peace. Well, there was peace by force because the Roman armies were everywhere and they were terrorizing and making sure that there was no uprising. So the people of Israel, as they had been doing for hundreds, if not thousands of years, were gathered outside the temple once again, and they're praying once again, and they're praying the same prayer, the same four words that are the most often recorded prayer in all of Scripture. And the words are, How long, O Lord? How long will it be before you come to us? How long before your Messiah comes and rescues us from this tyranny and brings our people back together under a king? We're waiting for the Messiah. How long, O Lord? So undoubtedly, that is what the multitudes were praying. And here's Zechariah and the angel says, I've answered your prayer. So I post to you, was Zechariah saying, oh God, please just give me a son? Or did that prayer stop 30 years ago? And Zechariah, as a godly man, was praying, like everybody else, how long, O oh Lord? How long before you come? How long before you rescue? Could it be that God answered both those prayers at one time? Because he's a, okay, I've given you a son. I've answered your prayer. Oh, and by the way, all your prayers of how long, O oh Lord? That's going to be answered right now too. Because the time is coming and something's happening. So let's continue on in the narrative. Let's keep on reading in verse uh, 14. It says, and you will have joy and gladness. Zechariah's like, yep, you got me there. I'm all into it. And many will rejoice at his birth. Okay. Everybody else is going to be excited. This is great. Verse 15. For he, your son, will be great before the Lord. How about that promise, parents? Can you imagine the anticipation and excitement? Not just you found out that you're pregnant and you're going to be bringing a baby into the world. But the promise that says this son that I'm going to give you, he will be great before the Lord. He's not going to be a big fat zero. He's not going to go off the beaten path. He's not going to be rebellious. He's going to be great. There's no amount of money that can buy that satisfaction as a parent, right? And Gabriel continues on, says, and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So now all of a sudden things are ratcheted up a notch. Not just, yep, you're having a son. Not just he's going to be great, but now it's he cannot drink any strong drink. He can't have any wine. And Zechariah immediately knew what that was all about. That was a vow that was called the Nazarite vow, where somebody was set aside from birth for a certain specific purpose. We see that same thing in the life of Samson, right? You remember that he was commanded not to drink wine or any any, uh, fruit of the vine at all. He couldn't have grapes or raisins, none of that. Couldn't touch any blood from any dead animals. He couldn't ever cut his hair like several stipulations that were all set aside as a Nazarite vow which means this one is set aside for a specific purpose of God now Zechariah is really excited well my son's going to do great things for God he's going to be set aside especially as somebody who's a priest himself he knows what it's like to be in the service of God my son's going to walk in my footsteps my son's going to do great things I just I'm just so overjoyed right now it goes even further It says verse 16 and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people who are prepared Now this is beyond explosive news because Zechariah is a priest. He knows scripture inside and out and he knows that that is a direct reference from 400 years ago in the book of Malachi that uses that exact phrase where the prophet says, in the day of the Lord, when the Messiah is coming, I am going to send someone in the spirit of Elijah, Elijah, the prophet, Old Testament, all the prophets of Baal, uh, God won. You remember that whole thing? Elijah led his people. He said 400 years earlier, when that's going to come, I'm going to send somebody just like Elijah. In the spirit of Elijah, it says it right there, and it says, "He will take all the fathers, and they will turn their hearts towards their sons. people are going to be reunited with their family, people are going to be concerned about their family, And it says, "And you will make ready a path for the Lord. You will prepare your people for the Lord, because it's all happening." And as it, it was at that moment that Zechariah knew, the Messiah is coming. This isn't talking about Jesus. His name's going to be John. He's going to be the prophet, the forerunner in the spirit of Elijah that is going to come right before Jesus. It's all happening right now. And I want you to just enter into that story for a minute and feel the anticipation of 400 years of Silence imagine what was going through their mind when all this was happening and here's where the story gets wacky so verse 18 Zechariah said to the angel well how will I know this for I'm an old man my wife is advanced and the angel answered him I'm Gabriel I stand in the presence of God I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news and behold you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place now wh- why did that happen? did you ever think about that? I mean, I don't know. I don't picture the spirit of this like a punishment, you know, like Zechariah was probably like any of us would be like, well, how can this be? I mean, that can't be possible. Like just, you know, bantering back and forth. I don't know. We're not given privy to the context, but maybe it was some sort of punishment. Maybe it was just some tongue in cheek. Maybe that's just the way God wanted to do it so that his anticipation would be in other ways. But basically God says, okay, well, you're not going to be able to say a single word to anybody about this. You ever have a secret that, like, you want to tell so bad, but you just know that you can't? That's what was going on right here. And so I just love the context of this, because I skipped down to verse 22. It says, and then when he, that is Zechariah, came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them, but he remained mute. So picture this. Here's the old man priest. He's coming out. He's so excited. Elizabeth is there. All these people have been praying for God to come soon. How long, oh Lord, Elizabeth is there? He's like, it's like a giant game of charades. He's like, looking at Elizabeth, he's like, And she's like, What are you talking about, Willis? You know, like, what are you? no, no, no. no, no, no. It got kind of bad. <laughs> How do you tell that? Messiah, Savior coming down, rescue. Elizabeth, this is going to happen. And just imagine what's going through her mind as an older woman. Scripture says, well advanced in years. Notice in verse 24 after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. So she got pregnant after that. So just imagine what went on in that little shenanigans, right? Because he can't speak, but he's like. <laughs> and she's like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Unbelievable. The anticipation, what happened, the way God crafted the story, all coming together at the perfect time in history. The anticipation of receiving this gift and then we continue on in verse 26 and this we get into a little bit more of the familiar side of it right well this is that very same angel that prophesied about john the baptist with zechariah and elizabeth came six months later and visited mary you know this part of the story It says on verse 27 the angel came to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph and he was the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and he came to her and said greetings O favored one the Lord is with you but she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be once again what an angel what is this I don't understand and the angel said to her don't be afraid Mary. For you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son with arms wide open. There it is again. Stop singing that song. And you will call his name Jesus again. Up until this point, everything seemed pretty normal. Okay, an angel promising me that I'm going to have a son. That, that's great. That's awesome. Not quite ready to yet. We're not quite married yet. But all right, call his name Jesus, okay. Jesus was a pretty popular name at that point. Nothing necessarily magical or incredible about the name Jesus. It's a transliteration of the Hebrew for Joshua, which means the Lord saves, okay, call his name Jesus, okay. But here's where, once again, they take it to the next level. The angel says, he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And once again, as a good Jewish girl that had been brought up in all the teachings of the Old Testament and all the people that were waiting for the Messiah, she knew at this point exactly what the angel was saying you're going to have a son you're going to call him Jesus okay great oh by the way he's going to be the son of the most high God and he's going to rule on the throne of David forever and ever and ever and ever which is a messianic prophecy from hundreds and hundreds of years ago now all of a sudden she knows this is happening I'm going to be the carrier of the son of God the time is here the Messiah is here isn't that incredible? And I love it when these two ladies with these two obscure stories finally come together in chapter 1. Look at verse 43. When Elizabeth and Mary finally see each other, here's what Elizabeth says. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She recognized already. Mary was coming. She was praying. You're the mother of my Lord. The one that I've been praying to. The one that I've been serving for all of these 70, 80 years of my life. You are younger than me, but you're the mother of my Lord who I've been worshiping. Unbelievable. The joy that comes when we're anticipating, receiving something. I want us to enter into that this morning. The other piece of it, maybe for some of us that are a little bit older, we're like, eh, Christmas, joy of receiving gifts in particular... Not that big of a deal. I get much more excited about giving a gift about orchestrating and planning and strategizing and getting the perfect gift and wrapping it up. And maybe you've been there and you've experienced this where you got that one under the tree and you know that for your spouse or for your son or for your daughter, that's the one that you know is just gonna blow their mind and they're gonna be so excited and you sneak out your little phone to like record it, you know, like when they're opening it, you know what I'm talking about? Somebody said they wanted a dog over here for Christmas. I bet you your parents are gonna be videotaping it when, uh, when you open up that little box. Right? But you know what I'm talking about. I want to talk a little bit here about the anticipation of giving gifts. And I want to talk about it from God's perspective. I want you to think about the grand scheme of a sovereign God and how he absolutely orchestrated that all of this would happen at this period of time. Because here you've got a tyrannical Caesar. Ruler over the Roman Empire. And ruler over these people in this area. Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was adopted by Julius Caesar. 30 or 35 years earlier. Julius Caesar was a self-proclaimed deity. He said, I am God. So Caesar Augustus then took on the title of son of God. He was known as the son of God. Julius Caesar and several other Caesars also it was widely known we've got inscriptions to this day going back to this time period that they were also known as the savior of the world. In that exact phrase welcome Caesar the savior of the world. Caesars when they would have some sort of military victory they would send their heralds out in the square And they would be proclaiming what they called the gospel. Gospel just means good news. So their their heralds would go out and they would shout in all the busy streets and where people were living. They would shout the gospel, the good news. Caesar has won another victory. We have conquered somebody else. That's what the gospel meant. And so now this tyrannical son of God. Savior of the world, Caesar, who was familiar with sharing the gospel, has ordained and ruled and commanded that everybody should go back to their hometown. And for Joseph, it was Bethlehem. So God uses even an ungodly, evil man to send Joseph and Mary back to Bethlehem, 70 miles away. Bethlehem, which is called the house of bread or the city of bread. And so now we have Caesar, the savior of the world, son of God, spreading his gospel, commanding that they go to Bethlehem, which is called the house of bread, where the son of God would be born in Bethlehem, the city of bread, this one who would grow up to use the phrase, I am the bread of life. This one who would become the true savior of the world and be able to share the gospel of peace Through all the villages and towns surrounding. God orchestrated it all. When you talk about the great joy and the great pleasure and anticipation that God had. I want you to think about things from his perspective. I want you to think about the fact that in the middle of ordaining all of this and arranging all of this. Having all this come together. The angels were gathered around and they were excited because they knew about this plan from the beginning and they were in on it, perhaps. We don't really know all the details, what they know and didn't know. But we do know that this was not a surprise. This wasn't a knee-jerk response. Oh, my people are in trouble. Hmm, what should I do? Let me send them a savior. No. According to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20, according to Ephesians chapter 1, this was planned out before the foundations of the earth. This gift, this present, and now was the time where it was going to be opened, and we were going to see the response of the people. Listen to this paraphrase of Ephesians chapter 1. That is from um, a book called The Message. Listen to what it says. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ. And he takes us to the high places of blessing in him. For long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind. And had settled on us as the focus of his love. To be made whole and holy By his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this! He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved Son. God the Father looking down, anticipating the plan was coming. Here it is. It's orchestrated. It's ready. That's the reason why the angels were rejoicing when they were there with the shepherds and they finally gave them that good news. That's why it says all of a sudden they saw the heavenly host and they were saying glory to God in the highest. It's a celebration. The time has come. The present is here. All this waiting is done. So we talk about Advent, we talk about a season of waiting for someone or something. 2,000 years ago, it was the gift of Jesus, Savior of the world. My question for you this morning is, what are you waiting for? Think about this idea of Advent. Like so much in scripture, everything's connected. Absolutely, we can wait with anticipation, we can enter into the story, but like Bill said, that's already happened. But we're still in a season of waiting, aren't we? We're still waiting uh, for a special person or a special event. And that's when Jesus is going to be returning to this earth to make things right as the rightful king. But my question to you this morning is, what are you waiting for? And maybe for you, that lands on the anticipation of receiving something. And man, just as Jesus entered into a dark world and a broken world and a uh, tyrannical world of confusion, Jesus wants to enter into your world this morning. I mean, look at what he's called in Isaiah chapter nine. He's called the wonderful counselor. Man, maybe you're just rocked in confusion right now and you need direction. That's his name. He's called the prince of peace. Maybe you're anxious and full of fear and not knowing why and you just need something. That's his name. He's called the everlasting father. Maybe for you, he's like, my time is so short-lived and I just don't know and everything's so brief and man, I just need to feel that love and acceptance. That's his name. He's called the mighty God. Maybe for you, you're weak. and You've been trying to play God, but it's just not working. That's his name. So I just want to throw that out to us here this morning as we think about this season of waiting and expectation and anticipation. And I just pray that through the confusion of it all that God will enter into our story.